John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. John, it's the High Gain Podcast. It's so high, gainy. Yep, it's pretty fall out here in beautiful West Seattle. Apparently there is an atmospheric river hovering right over our heads. Doom weather is coming in. I'm stoked. Yeah, the end days. Yep. I'm just waiting for the frogs to start falling. Exactly. That's going to be awesome. What are we going to talk about today? Oh, we're going to talk about guitars. Yep. Albums. Cool. And indie music. Sure. And all kinds of different stuff. That's great. We should get someone in here to help us with the indie music lo-fi thing. What do you think? How about Hutch Harris from The Thermals? Let's do it. Okay. Hutch, are you there? Hey, guys. Hey, that's Hutch Harris from The Thermals, Ed. We did it. Nice. How's it going, Hutch? Good. How are you guys doing? Amazing over here. Cool. Is it pretty wet down there? It is a super rainy day here in Portland. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was telling John this. The Thermals and your music, I think I have seen you play live more than any other band. And I've seen a lot of bands multiple times. I have been a fan of your work for a really long time. Oh, thanks, man. I am stoked to have you here. Same here, although I can't say I've seen you as much as Ed. No one has. (laughs) (laughs) Way back, one of your first demos, I don't remember if it was in like The Rocket or The Stranger and Ad, a write-up. But yeah, I just remember ordering that, and I'm pretty sure it was, you know, send a check in the mail style. Is that a thing? Did you do that early on? No, because Sub Pop found our demo pretty quick. Yeah. We'd only played like four shows, I think. Yeah. There were like CDRs that were floating around, and that's how they heard us. But we got signed so quick that we didn't sell anything. But it's that same recording that became our first record. When I ordered it, I'm pretty sure either you or Kathy wrote a thank you note. Oh, yeah, that's possible for sure. Yeah. That first single, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, like, signed stuff and put little notes for, like, the super early ones. Yeah, nice. I forgot that. Yeah. What about you? You're probably a pretty huge fan of the high gain, right? (laughs) 
massively. <laughs> Seen you guys live just about every show. <laughs> Perfect. So you've got a new album coming out. Out? Out. Out. Yeah, yeah. Just came out just like less than two weeks ago. Did you have trouble getting that goddamn thing out? Supply chain style, that thing. Yeah, the vinyl took eight months, <laughs> too, <laughs> which is wild. Because, you know, three months has kind of been the standard for decades. Right. And they were like, you know, we're running like four to five months. But I was like, it's the middle of pandemic. I'm not going to tour, even if it wasn't. So it just comes out when it comes out. Right. I had sent it to press in February, I think. Yeah. But yeah, the thing that I love about like self-releasing or Bandcamp is I get the records one day and I just put it up for sale the next day. I don't have to wait. You know, I don't have to coordinate with anyone. Yeah. So yeah, once it was done, it was done and it came out. <laughs> is that Billy? Sorry, that's Billy, my dog. I was at the door, yeah. Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Beverages. Beverages, Ed. And Hutch. Nice. What about that? Can you identify that? Uh, no, I cannot. Uh, <laughs> it's a fun game we play, and I'm sort of in the exact same boat. It's like double jeopardy, because every week I fuck it up, <laughs> and then have to fix it in post, and every week Ed can't guess it, <laughs> and I don't know if it's because he can't guess it, or if it's because I fucked it up. <laughs> Definitely the thing that ends up in the podcast is going to be just a hair more polished than what you just heard. <laughs> the jam, right? Yes, that was Running on the Spot. Ah. Yeah. Remember yeah. that album, The Gift? Well, yeah, if you're going to edit it, you can just edit me saying, oh, yeah, I know, that's the jam. <laughs> I think it's on The Gift. <laughs> exactly. The number of songs that he plays that are just like, uh, I should, I know I should know this, and then I just can't pull it out. That's the same album that Town Called Malice is on. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I was just listening to In the City the other night. That is such a good album. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. They're so young, too. I don't want this podcast to get weird, like, so early on. But I, I definitely <laughs> had this moment where it's like, oh, Hutch is going to be on. That's great. It's going to be kind of weird talking to someone so much younger than me. And the thing is, I started seeing the thermals, like, 20 years ago. Right. And you have not aged so I think you're still... I'm 26 now, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm loving my 20s. 20s have been great. Yeah. I actually <laughs> went to Wikipedia. Your age is posted, and I'm like, that's not a thing. Yeah, coming up on 50. <laughs> you're not Gen X. There is no way that's possible. <laughs> oh, I'm so Gen X, though. That's probably the thing that registers with me so much with your music. It's probably that. Yeah, totally. But in my brain, you are 26. Me too. And also anyone I date feels the same way usually. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Hutch, what are you drinking? I have a nice cold glass of water here. 
We got to drill into this. Is it tap? It's Brita, actually. It's from the fridge. Is there ice in it? There's no ice. Brita filter, no ice, Ed. What do you think of that? I think it's great. I have been filling a jug in my fridge that is 52 ounces. I fill that and drink it twice a day. Oh, nice. 104 ounces every day of water. Do you remember however many years ago some woman OD'd on water? Yeah, like a radio contest, right? Oh, oh yeah, it totally was. was. Whoever can hold oh, the longest, God. they wouldn't let him go to the bathroom. Oh. We have a new game here. It's called How Much Water Can Hutch Drink? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Hands on a Hard Body, that documentary? They had like a pickup truck and everyone to keep their... And they kept him up all night. And then one guy, after the game was over, he broke into Walmart and shot himself. Whoa. <laughs> Somehow got a gun. Huh. I guess he wasn't the guy that won the truck. <laughs> Ed. Yeah. What are you drinking? I have a mason jar of freshly squeezed juice. There's probably half a pound of rainbow chard, two grapefruits, two lemons, two apples, and three carrots. Nice. It's kind of rusty watercolor. I always offer John juice, and the colors that I get out of my stuff always freaks him out, so he can't drink it. What are you using to juice? We went through one that was a more plastic, kind of masticating juicer thing. Right. And it broke after, I don't know, three months. So we went industrial, because I've been doing it every day. Nice. You know, you get older, you gotta take care of the temple. Oh, yeah. Is that your water deal? <laughs> Is it a temple thing? I used to drink coffee all day, and then I just got to a point where anything more than one cup just makes me feel awful. So I do one cup and then just water. You know, maybe some beer or whiskey later, but not that frequently these days. Yeah. I also have a cup of black coffee. I, too, have black coffee. Uh-huh. And Monica has been really picking out interesting beverages. This one is a cold-pressed juice called Happy Moose. Sounds great. It is blood orange, and they have a slogan. Uh-huh. Quit tripping, start sipping. I hate it. I hate everything about what you're about to put in your mouth. I hate it all. Maybe they try too hard? Yeah. We've been ordering imperfect food, and so all of mine is made with this, like, imperfect food stuff. It's all produce. I'm vegan from forever, so we get, like, beans and produce and... That does it. But I think they have like a whole meat section. Imperfect meat sounds a little scary. Though. Exactly. <laughs> Imperfect cheese. Yeah, yeah, it's just gray. Hey, John. Yes. You were playing a guitar there. I was. That guitar that John is holding, it's got a weirdy headstock that I'm not super in love with. It looks like an old 60s guitar, but more fancy with a lot of knobs and weirdo looking stuff. Yeah, so imagine, if you will, a jazz master. Okay. Only it has three single coils on it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven switches, and one, two, three, four, five knobs. It's a lot of shit. This is a Framus Strato Deluxe. One of the knobs has a hook on it, a metal chromed hook sticking out the side of it. You are meant to strum a chord and I guess latch your pinky onto that hook and it's spring-loaded so you can do stuff like this. I'm doing that with my pinky. <laughs> <laughs> so when we start our ambient band, Hutch, it's kind of a tortoiseshell pickguard, but like 
fancy. Tiger stripe pickguard. It's got a chrome plate on the top horn and a massive chrome plate that embodies all of the tremolo and all the other controls. It has a preamp built into it. This thing oh, takes a battery if no. you want. Here's what it sounds like without the battery. And oh. then you turn it on and you get a little kick. The thing I hate about active electronics in guitars, when the battery's dead, the guitar's dead. Right, right. This you can turn off. And it's got phasey business happening with a couple of these switches. Oh. I like that kind of aluminum foil sounding. Yeah. So this is normal. Okay. And then if I... Uh... Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so it's kind of nice. How old is this guitar? 1966. Oh, jeez. What do you know about Framus, Hutch? Nothing. <laughs> Perfect. Born of conflict. Did you know that? I didn't. When the World War II got over mm -hmm. and they started slicing up Europe, uh -huh. the Russians got some of it and the Americans got some of it. Sure. One of the things that the Russians did was reconstitute Czechoslovakia. Sure. We, the Russians, hereby claim Czechoslovakia. Yeah. The next thing they did was to say, okay, all Germans who happen to live in our new Czechoslovakia, get the fuck out. <laughs> okay. So they kicked him out. One of those guys was a guy named Fred Wilfer. Oh no, we lost him? We lost Fred. What happened? Well, he was born in 1917, so I think it's a good bet that he's not however many years old that is. Yeah, that would make him, what, like uh, 105? Yeah, something like that. Okay. So Fred was an instrument maker, okay. and he's like, I didn't want to live in Czechoslovakia anyway. I'm going to go back to Germany proper. Uh-huh. And I'm going to start my own company and invite all my musical instrument friends to come work here. And we will be the musical instrument guys. Sure. And here comes a portmanteau, Ed. Framus. Yes, the Franconian Musical Instruments Fabrication. So you take the FRA from Franconian. Okay. And the MUS from Musical. You get Framus. You know, the weird thing is we've done a Framus before. Yes, so I've heard some of this story before. But hearing and listening are two different things. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is what I was kind of going with, because I do not remember this at all. Okay, so in the late 40s? Uh, 48. Okay. They started up and they're making all kinds of various sundry instruments. Are you listening, Hutch? I'm hearing. See? Okay. That's the beginning of Framus. Okay. Not long after that, in 1956, a young boy is given a trumpet for his birthday. He was 14, and he did not want to play the trumpet. Yep. So he took that trumpet to, I don't know, the trumpet exchange. Sure, sure. And traded it in for a Framus guitar, because he wanted to play guitar. Eric Clapton. Paul McCartney. Oh. Yep. He's famous. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. And the first song he wrote on that Framus guitar at age 14? Yeah. When I'm 64. <clears throat> Apparently he still has that guitar. This guitar looks like it could be made by some boutique luthier today. To the point that I kind of thought it was a new guitar. I was expecting like, oh, this was built like three years ago. Yeah. That swell knob? That's a thing somebody would do. Today. I had no idea this thing was that old. And it looks brand new doesn't it's it? in good shape yeah. yeah are you drawn to guitars like this at all hutch like do you care even a little bit 
I think like if someone gave me one, I'd be into it. <laughs> I uh, just like when I was really young, I kind of attached myself to the Telecaster. I never got into any other guitars. I still love the Tele. A friend of mine has an SG that I was playing the other day, and that I like very much. I was thinking about getting an SG. I think a lot of guitars. It's more about how it feels than how it sounds, even. I think I saw on Instagram you've got an AVRI Tele. Right, a friend of mine gave that to me a couple of years ago. The Thin Line? You've had a couple of those, I know. Right. Is that just a weight thing? Is it the looks? A lot of guitars sound too nice for me. Yeah. Yeah. I like something that just sounds kind of dirty and kind of crappy. I'm not looking for like a super clean pro sound. I want something that's a little just kind of cheaper. A lot of my favorite punk records... I'll never be like, man, that guitar sounds amazing. Yeah. I'll be like, that guitar is doing the job that this song needs. Right. Yeah. Considering like the entire body from the thermals up through this new stuff, some of it sounds more lo-fi than other things. Is that a choice you make as you go along? Like, oh crap, this song needs more production and this one doesn't? We were just always kind of looking, well, what did the last record sound like? Like we made the body, the blood. We were like, that sounds great. Let's kind of do that again. We went to the same studio to start. And we were kind of going for that same sound. And then we made Personal Life. After we finished, we were like, that's a little too clean. Then for Desperate Ground, we were like, let's still go into a studio. But I was like singing on a cheap mic, like using like a four track for a preamp. Like we were definitely trying to make something lo-fi, but still in a studio. It's kind of like lo-fi, hi-fi. Do you ever bring those tracks into the studio? Like, hi, studio guy. Here are some tracks I put on this cassette tape. Would you please fly them into our session? We would do that, but only for noise stuff. Kathy has like a half an hour of just four tracks of noise. (laughs) I think there's probably like two or maybe three records where anytime we just needed some weirdness, Kathy would just pull out the four track and, you know, spend an hour or two just kind of finding the right little bit for it. That's pretty great. You posted on Instagram recently everything you used to produce Suck Up All the Oxygen. There's one guitar, one bass. It's into Pro Tools, super minimal. Right. Was there ever a point that you go like, man, I would really like this delay sound? I try not to have too much in my head of what I want the recording to sound like because it's usually not going to sound like that. Sure. For me, I'm trying to think about exactly what I want the performance to be like. When I did the first song for the new record, I did it in this like really aggressive, fast way. And when I played it back, I was like, that sounds good, but that sounds exactly like a Thermals record. Sure. And so then I decided, well, I'm going to do something a little more laid back, a little quieter, not just like smash the cymbals the whole time, but kind of make the beat a little bit dancier as opposed to like this kind of like straight ahead, like a Ramones beat. And so once I had the vibe figured out, then I can kind of find what the sound is going to be after that. Do you find that when you're constructing all of that and you're putting all those sounds in that you're hearing, you end up pulling a lot of it back out? Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like the songs that took the longest to finish were the ones where I didn't use most of the stuff. There may be just something wrong with the song itself that can't be fixed (laughs) in arranging or in recording. Like either you have to tear it down and try to rebuild it, or you just have to like maybe throw it out. Did you approach Suck Up All the Oxygen as a concept album? 
I, I wanted all the songs to have the same kind of message, which is that like everything just fucked up or everything sucks. <laughs> yeah. All the lyrics were going to be so negative. It meant that all the music had to be presented in this really like upbeat and fun way yep. or else it would be too much of a downer or it would be too serious. Like it's not supposed to be that serious. I went into the album very blind. And so I threw it on in the first song. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, this is terrible. And then the second one came on and I'm like, oh God, is Hutch okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to explain it. Yeah. Put some kind of like artist statement out with it. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I would rather you just check it out. I hope this isn't giving everything away. No, no, it's good. It's good. But then by like the third song, you just start laughing. Oh, I get it. Right. It should be ridiculous. I was kind of the opposite. The first two came on, and I was like, okay, cool. And then I started thinking in my head, like, you know what would be cool? Is if the whole album was like this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then it was. It's cool. I like it. Thanks, man. Should we hit the peoples with one? Yeah, do you got one? Yeah. Hutch sent over a song called Instant Anxiety. What is that little doo 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 doo? What is that? It's this old uh, realistic keyboard. It's just like an old Radio Shack keyboard. That's so great. 
<laughs> there's like a hundred settings on it and one of them sounds good and that's the one <laughs> <laughs> it's really really good oh thanks it's fun then you listen to it and it's like oh god <laughs> <laughs> right i think it's still fun though <laughs> back in probably 2008 we did a road trip down to california me and the family and we got in the car started driving and the cd player broke and the body, the blood was in the car <laughs> and we couldn't eject it. And that album we listened to for 18 hours down and 18 <laughs> hours back. Oh my fucking God. Oh man. <laughs> and I can still listen to that album to this day. Yeah, without even putting it on probably. You can just play it in your head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. How long have you had Billy? I've had him for two years, so I got him like three or four months before the pandemic, which was good because he was a puppy and he got to like go to obedience school and, you know, he got to get socialized. I think being a creative, you end up getting into your head a lot. Right, for sure. You spend so much time in the creative process, it's hard to get out. Yeah. The thing that's super heartwarming to me is creative people with dogs. COVID would have been much harder for me if I didn't have him. Because we, you know, we still, there was still so much we could do. We could still go to the park. We could still walk. Right. Get up early, you know, take the dog out and then record for a couple hours and you go for a walk. And it kind of like keeps you on a good schedule. I'm going to ask a guitar question. Ooh. Maybe not every tele you play, but a bunch of them, you go for the Telecaster custom style with the single coil in the bridge and the humbucker in the neck. Right, except those thin lines, which are two humbuckers. Exactly. Is that a conscious thing with the pickups, or is it also an aesthetic thing? Yeah, I usually prefer those humbuckers, and I like those stock humbuckers, too, because a lot of people like a telly, but they'll swap out for something fancier. Yeah. Right. Like I was saying before, I want something that just sounds a little crappier. Would you put the responsibility of that all on the guitar or specific pedals to help tailor that for you? I'm usually using a couple tube screamers. Oh. When I'm recording, I would use a tube screamer sometimes, but I really just like the overdrive from those mini Marshalls too. So a lot of times I wasn't using any pedals at all. That's the only like real amp you used on this album? Yeah, yeah, that's all I that's all I use. That's I was amazing. I have a champ, like a sixties vibra champ. I've recorded some new stuff since I finished that last record. And I've been using the champ a lot because I'm doing like clean leads. Right. But for just like noisy distorted stuff, I just prefer those mini marshals. You also produce for other people. Do you find that you want to push that aesthetic or do they come to you because of that aesthetic? Right. Or are you pretty comfortable recording a more hi-fi, lush kind of sound? It was never a hi-fi just because, you know, everything's on a budget. You're just trying to get in and out of the studio as quickly as you can because it's so expensive. Right. Yeah. I am mainly there or was when I was doing it to just try to get the best performances and kind of be the person who knows when they have the good one. Right. You know, having someone like me there is a luxury that you don't need. If you can't really afford it, don't. 
you know, it's nice if you can afford it, that keeps a band positive and working together. Because if you don't have someone else to do that, then someone in the band has to assume that role. And then you get a lot of friction. Because if you have one person in the band that's kind of telling everyone when stuff is right or wrong, it just leads to tension. But if you have someone outside of the band telling all that, then the band can be united. Even if they're united against you, <laughs> that's fine. John, do you yes. have anything else about this Framus? It's a big, shiny guitar with a bunch of pickups in it. By 1967, Framus was the largest instrument manufacturer, specifically of guitars, in Europe. So they must have been doing something right. Okay. I mean, we've done one of these guitars before, and I have totally blacked out that Framus is even a company. (laughs) (laughs) These guitars leave zero impression on me for some reason. Yeah, looking at one that's on uh, Reverb, that's awesome. Yeah, Strato Deluxe 60s. Oh, I see the pinky knob, yeah. Well, you know, that's about it for this, because in 1975, they went bankrupt. Uh, Perfect. Okay. That was it for Fred Wilfer until Fred Wilfer's son picks a mantle back up in 1995. Oh. You can get a Framus. They are owned by Warwick. Oh. In Germany. That's our big history lesson. There you go. Nice. I like it. I think we did a great job today, Hutch. How do you think we did? Yeah, I feel great about it. Oh. What's next? Are you going to finish up this new one? Since pressing the new record on vinyl, I didn't do that with my first solo one. I just wanted to see how this went and can I make the money back and is it worth it? Uh, and I think it totally is. Oh, so cool. I'm going to go get the first record pressed on vinyl. So that'll be out in like eight months. <laughs> exactly. Have you gotten the everything is fucking terrible, everything is fucked? Is that out of your system? Are you good to move on? And No, that's always there, but it just doesn't bother me that much. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. So if people want to go see pictures of your dog, yep. listen to your music, check out what's up, where do they go? For pictures and stuff, Instagram, at Instant Anxiety, and then for music, hutchharris.bandcamp.com. Instant Anxiety, that was the name of the song we played a minute ago. That's crazy. Where can people <laughs> find us, John? Oh, us? Yeah. We're on thehighgain.com. Okay. We are at the high gain on Instagram. Yep. Facebook. Yep. Pinterest. Yep. LinkedIn. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. Uh, We're everywhere. We're everywhere. We own all the socials. Thank you very much, Hutch, for joining us. Hutch, I think you did a great job today. I do too. So this was great. Thanks for having me. <laughs>